I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Weekend Review Show. And despite the world seeming to be stuck on pause right now, there is absolutely no stopping the snow or the football. Despite no wholesale Premier League action this weekend, the Football Social Daily is on the ball and we are turning our attention to the FA Cup fourth round. 15 top flight sides still in the hat ahead of this weekend, but as is always the case with the Cup, we have lost some big, big names. And it's those big exits, that's where we kick off tonight's show as Manchester United edged out the battle of the Premier League big guns at Old Trafford to dump Liverpool out. In part two, it's holders Arsenal. They're also out after they limp to a 1-0 defeat away at Southampton. And in part three, we'll be looking at all the other ties involving Premier League clubs, as well as another defeat for Steve Bruce as Newcastle lost to Aston Villa in the only Premier League game this weekend. So plenty, plenty, plenty to get through. My name's Fergal Brennan and joining me on tonight's show, we have sports broadcaster from Sky and BBC Five Live fame, Michelle Owen. Michelle, how are we? Yeah, good, thanks. Been enjoying the snow and the football this weekend, so can't complain. Very good stuff, great stuff. And we also have Manchester City fan and YouTuber Steve McInerney. Steve, how's things? I'm very well, mate. How are you? You okay? I'm very good. I'm very good. Surviving the snow good and day. surviving the FA Cup. Um, before we get <laughs> before we get into the actual matches, I just want to ask you your thoughts on the fourth round. All the attention seems to be on the third round, the first week in January, the cliches, the giant killing chat, people sitting on washing lines to watch games, and that doesn't really seem to happen in, in round four. Michelle, what on I washing think lines. On washing lines, <laughs> hanging out. How are they managing that, man? It's impressive. Fantastic cat-like balance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Out, outside of windows, standing <laughs> on bins, all sorts of stuff. Um, Michelle, it all kind of seems a bit hangovery, a bit cold pizza the morning after when you're thinking about these games. And yes, there's always Premier League um, sides involved, but it doesn't seem to have this thing of anything could happen, despite the fact that it definitely can. 
Yeah, I think it's just with the third round, you probably have more lower league teams in it, don't you? And you have the occasional non-league story. But we had a few in the fourth round, you know, Chorley obviously playing Wolves was was a nice story and, and a couple of others. But yeah, it doesn't seem to have that magic of the third round. Never gets built up like that, despite the fact we always get some tasty ties like we had Man United, Liverpool. And also what I find baffling is you know who you're playing in the fifth round. So for some teams, this is even bigger. You know, you know who could be waiting on the other side of that fixture. And that doesn't get talked about a lot either. So I think it's because perhaps there aren't as many lower league teams left in that could do something quite magical. That's my assumption. Yeah. Steve, I presume you- as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I presume as well, like a big part of the whole magic of the FA Cup is built around packed, tiny stadiums, isn't it? You know, with like with teams and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, as a City fan, just watching City versus Cheltenham, I must admit the game, the, the magic wasn't there because, you know, there wasn't a few thousand fans um, uh, giving Manchester City this uh, unique welcome, you know, a, a tiny little stadium compared to the ones they used to. So I reckon the fans not being there probably has taken away a little bit of the fun of it, I guess, which obviously we know that, but I reckon we're used to it in the, like you know uh, used to it when it comes to the leagues but when it, when you get you meant to get these kind of levelers like the fans you know in, in these kind of rounds where it's a small team against a bigger one um i reckon that's probably caused a little bit of the demystifying of it i guess maybe uh, well, one side that definitely doesn't fall under the category of minnows is Manchester United, Liverpool, probably the most iconic tie that could have been pulled out of the hat for, for round four, Michelle. And based on the league meeting between these two sides just a week ago, this was nailed on to be an absolute drab, <laughs> nothing affair. And then, as always happens with football and definitely with the FA Cup, it went completely the opposite way. An absolute cracker of a game. Manchester United edged it out in the end 3-2 thanks to Bruno Fernandes' late free kick. And this was built up as a, a little bit of of a barometer of where these two teams are in terms of their Premier League form despite the fact that that game between them in the league was was dreadful not so long ago and when you look at this at the end of the game it does seem to ramp up the pressure a little bit more on Jurgen Klopp despite the fact that he'll probably come out and say that the Premier League is still the, the focus for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they must have had one eye on this competition because at the moment they're faltering in the Premier League, aren't they? So they'll be going into this one wanting to try and regain some of that confidence that he said they've lost so much recently. You look at the losses and, OK, they got a point against Manchester United um, last week. But, yeah, coming into this, you would have expected them to come in all guns blazing but then again you know you've got to think for Jurgen Klopp he's just he's lost his key his key players this season you know everyone can see what an impact Virgil van Dijk has had he can't even call on Joe Gomez because he's injured as well and so you have to turn to someone like Reese Williams but I guess it's indicative as well the depth of their squad perhaps isn't there it was it was almost like last season they had all their talent firing at the right time not not like Leicester City sort of four or five years ago, but everyone came into form at the right moment. The stars aligned for them. This season, they've had big injuries and the other players, like their front line, haven't been able to step up where they've needed them. So, yeah, tonight he would have gone into it hoping that Reese Williams could have maybe just got by with Fabinho at the back there, but it it wasn't to be. But if you look at that back four, you know, tonight, they didn't look confident at all. And he, he had that lovely... Um, metaphor it was about the flower being stamped on the other day wasn't it after they lost to Burnley yep. and they don't look confident they didn't even when they went 3-2 down with sort of what was it about 10-12 minutes to go they they never really looked like getting back into it after that and contrasting Manchester United always looked like they could do something and Bruno Fernandes for them I mean everyone talks about 
the likes of sort of Kane and De Bruyne and, and even Mo Salah who, who got a brace. But um, I saw a stat for goals and assists since he made his debut. Something ridiculous, like 47 for Fernandez. And they say, you know, it's not a one-man team, but you can't underestimate. For him, he is to Manchester United what Virgil van Dijk is to Liverpool, in my opinion. Yeah, I think in terms of importance, Steve, when you look at the team and, and Michelle raises the point there of confidence and, and the lack of it within the Liverpool players. And yes, Reese Williams is drafted into the back line. He makes a mistake for, for Marcus Rashford's goal. But there's other players around him in that team and particularly in the, the fullback areas with Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and Andy Robertson, who've been such a massive part of everything Liverpool have done well over the last 18 months to two years. And even players like that who've seem to be so full of zest so full of forward thrust and creating chances and, and being right at the heart of what Jurgen Klopp wants from them they also don't seem to be able to click into gear Alexander-Arnold was kind of singled out in that defeat against Burnley Andy Robertson doesn't really be able to seem to get it going he's made mistakes in, in the last few weeks and when you've missed somebody like Van Dijk Trent Alexander-Arnold despite his age is looked at as one of those players that you expect to step up and he just doesn't seem able to. The whole team seems to be almost kind of stuck, like they've almost skipped a track and they don't really yeah. seem to know how to get out of it at the moment. Yeah, no, to be honest, um, I think we, we, we forget that so many players... Um, are kind of followers, I guess, as opposed to leaders. I mean, you've got a lot of quality players, but um, it's a team for a reason. I know it sounds like a cliche, but genuinely, um, if you remove leaders like the likes of Virgil van Dijk and currently they haven't got Matty, they haven't got, um, of course, Henderson's in the, was it in the side. You remove that kind of focal point, that energy, those organised players you can organise so well. Um, then, of course, um, Alexander Arnold is a very, he's a top class player, but he's only pretty young still, you know. Uh, Andy Robinson as well, obviously, you can tell he's missing having um, that focus that structure around him and Liverpool were always a team um, when they're at the very best they, they feel like you know like clockwork you know everyone knows the roles really well uh, they're incredibly drilled and I guess when you've got a team that uh, style is built on that um, intense structural organisation if you remove such key parts it's going to it's going to um, affect a little bit of the confidence and and to be honest I guess I've seen it as well recently from a City perspective the, the, the difference Ruben Diaz has had on the players around him coming in with his organisational abilities he's made players who looked unconfident all sudden top class um, and and it's exactly the same for Liverpool, of course. I mean, there's maybe an element as well that there could be a bit of a hangover as well. Obviously, they've got injuries which are catastrophic for them, but there could be an element of a hangover after they've done everything, you know. And sometimes it's hard to get going again, and everything else feels like um, feels a bit underwhelming once you've won the Premier League, once you've won the Champions League again. And there's a, there's a motivation question, and then of course. Yeah, there's the fans question so there's plenty of little reasons for Liverpool fans to kind of you know to almost like excuse their poor form at the moment it doesn't make it easy to watch of course Liverpool fans but it, it happens unfortunately and it can be as simple as their mates aren't there and they're the ones that they look to and, and Liverpool to me look like a side at the moment that um that literally, quite literally, are missing those plays. And as a result, their confidence and their self-belief for the remaining ones, well, there's a lot of followers and not a lot of leaders in the team at the moment. And that's, um, that. I, I think, honestly, you could probably even lose people like Alexander-Arnold and maybe even Robertson or whatever. But if you had Van Dijk and Henderson there regularly, you'd probably be a lot better than it is at the moment. Uh, Michelle, we'll spin round to United in just a second, but Liverpool, another another defeat is, is going to ask questions of Klopp and the players. And someone that's come under the microscope in, in the last couple of weeks since he's come back into the team is Thiago Alcantara. And a performance today of a frustrated 
individual for me. He got a bit of a telling off from the ref for a couple of tackles that were probably 50-50s that could have gone a different way with a different referee. And things for him don't really seem to be clicking. We, we keep using that word about Liverpool that when things are going well, everything clicks into gear and they're a hell of a machine to try and stop. But when you look at someone like him and the performances that he put in for Bayern Munich, he was absolutely central to them. There's no doubt in his, his ability and his, his standing amongst midfielders in, in world football. But when it's not working for somebody like him, does that show you that there really needs to be something sorted out at the club? Or is it just a kind of a tactical tweak that could potentially unlock him? Well, yeah, I wouldn't want to tell Jurgen Klopp how to do a, a tactical tweet, but no, I think that'd be a dangerous even. game. <laughs> yeah. oh God, can you imagine if you did a post-match with him? Um, <laughs> but yeah, five matches with Thiago in the starting lineup, no wins for Liverpool. And I think there were so many hopes pinned on him, weren't there? But tonight, you know, Pogba, for all the stick he gets, was, was better than Thiago. And it just felt like you said nothing was, was going going his way. Um, it, You'd expect someone for him maybe to sort of try and dictate the tempo a little bit more than he was. Um, he was just... You see Fernandes come in and make, make that instant impact. I mean, I felt he got into a few tackles and his presence was felt, but not in the way that, that the Liverpool fans would expect it to be. And he seemed to be playing quite deep with... Um, uh, who was in front of him, Wijnaldum and, and uh, Milner, weren't they? So, yeah, it's... Um, He's, you would never want to say it's not going to work out, but he um, he was trying to make things happen. You know, when when he caught my eye, he was completing passes. It's just he didn't shine. You know, he was trying to. I think he was trying to maybe control the tempo a bit rather than trying to affect the game and be probing, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's not it's not great for him all of at the moment. But maybe he's just not shining because the team's not shining. There's only so much you can do. But then in the same breath, I say that and I say, look at look at what Fernandez has done for Manchester United. So it's just not going Liverpool's way at all. Like I said, no games have been won when Thiago has been starting. So yeah, something's got to change for him. Maybe maybe they move him slightly further forward. I'm I'm not sure where his best position is to be honest. But without I'll go back to it. Without that spine there of Van Dijk and and missing your your experienced centre backs, it just feels like there's no confidence and it comes right from the back all the way through the spine of the team. I mean, if we're going to be positive, at least Salah found a, a bit of form tonight with, with a brace and Firmino looked lively as well. Um, but you look at that Liverpool lineup, and it's not the same lineup as last year at all. So, whilst you'd expect Klopp to sort of make do, and he did make do for a while, didn't he? You know, they were fighting at the top of the Premier League, and they still are to an extent. It feels like now those injuries are just setting in and really being felt for them. And, and going forward, I would worry for them because they, like Klopp said the other day, just just so lacking confidence. Where do you get that from? You just need one result to go your way. And if it had gone their way tonight, then you think, oh, okay, they're back. But right now, they're not really anywhere. Uh, Steve, as much as things are not going right for Liverpool at the minute, almost everything that Solskjaer seems to touch or Bruno Fernandes seems to kick turns to gold at the minute. And 
whilst Fernandez was on the bench tonight, he came on and made the big impact. But prior to that, it was Marcus Rashford and uh, Mason Greenwood that really stood out. Edison Cavani kind of playing in an, an inverted number nine position, dropping into space, looking to link up with the midfield and allowing Rashford and Greenwood to, to go on beyond him. And we touched on Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and Andy Robertson before and Solskjaer and his players look to play on that. Rashford and Greenwood know that their opposite numbers are not in the best of form. They know that they've got the pace. They know that they've got the ability to spot each other on the break to, to really cause problems and in terms of a, a tactical position from Solskjaer and his two players carrying that out that was a bit of a masterstroke yeah I mean obviously you saw that Liverpool at the moment their their biggest weakness you know is in behind the <laughs> centre-backs um, they've got two you know obviously uh, out of form fullbacks, and I guess sometimes as well when you're out of form you try and um, you you kind of try and overdo it a little bit uh, so uh, you know Robertson and, uh, and Alexander Arnold forcing a little bit um, but not with the same conviction as usual giving the ball away a lot more and yeah um, Williams unfortunately I would say he was culpable for one of the goals maybe a little bit of poor defending a little bit of naivety um, and he was he was totally right to put kind of pressure in behind those channels behind the fullbacks and centre-backs and um, you've got basically a defence that's absolutely lacking in confidence at the moment um, up against um, a team that's uh, currently United seem to be a team that like, they specialise in individual moments you know like, they seem to be very good at that and it works for them I wouldn't say they're the most structured organised team in the world that's not necessarily an insult but they're almost like um they, um, they seem like a little bit of a throwback in a way in terms of they're not obsessed with controlling possession they are they have moments of magic from Fernandez. they've got an old school striker Cavani that I'm personally actually jealous of I mean I would love him at City at the moment uh, so a guy who's going to pull defenders around especially inexperienced ones like Williams for example um, and it's 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 so Scott noticed it um to be honest, I, mean, I think I think Liverpool made it a little bit easy for them, really, uh, that way. Um, but I'm not really sure there's much Klopp can do about it. I mean, he's, he's been given a pretty, he's been dealt a pretty poor hand. I'm not I don't personally feel sorry for him um, for obvious reasons, but like. Um, United made United basically we just United and you could kind of almost see it coming from the early from the early starts of the match where United got a bit of a foothold in it that um, their energy and the pace going forward is going to be a little bit too much and thus it proved uh, Michelle as much as uh, Liverpool have an issue with Thiago and Klopp has a problem with in terms of where to put him how to get the best out of him United have a similar situation with Donny van der Beek a player that's come into the club fans expected quite a bit he has looked good in patches but it hasn't really happened for him on a consistent basis and it was telling that he was the one subbed off for, for Bruno Fernandes today one of the most interesting things that I picked up on in the match is just how close he tries to get to Edison Cavani at times and there was periods in the game where United almost looked to be playing a 4-2-4 where he was playing right up alongside Cavani with Rashford and Greenwood out wide given the fact that today's game was a little bit harem scarum and, and kind of midfield was almost bypassed do you think that could possibly be a reason why Sasha is still a bit tentative with him in the Premier League because he knows against other opposition in more disciplined games they're going to have three bodies in the middle of the pitch and they need him in their help in the likes of Pogba and, and Scott McTominay uh, yeah I, th I think Solskjaer wanted to basically give him a chance to see what he could do tonight um, and that's why I rested Fernandez. Uh, I think he said before it was sort of rotation he said it was a big game for him um, I saw him make a couple of nice passes. I mean, he made a great pass to Rashford on the wing and then he got the assist for, for Greenwood. So, he, yeah, he's, he's not one that is particularly shining at the moment, but he hasn't really been, been given a chance. I think Solskjaer's <coughs> referenced him in training, said he works really hard. And it is a massive game to sort of make your impact against Liverpool, isn't it? But 
when you're subbed and then the person that comes on for you scores the goal, it's um, it's a little bit trickier. Can't feel great when you're sat on the bench. And I just he just hasn't had hardly any minutes, has he? And I can't really see him off the back of tonight having many more. And like you say, it's probably a question of of trust, isn't it? Um, and I can't imagine that Van der Beek is particularly happy going to Manchester United, dream move, and he's not getting in the team. So, but then again, you know, is is Solskjaer like a perfect manager for him? Like when you think of Solskjaer's playing days at Manchester United, what do you think of? You think of super sub. So perhaps he can, I don't know, have a nice word in the ear, but there might be only so long that will last. But when Man United are playing as well as they, they can, they don't really have a place for him at the moment. Yeah, I think when you look at the balance of, of the game uh, after the end of the 90 minutes and we're talking about questions and answers, I think there's a few questions for Solskjaer to answer, but in terms of a to-do list and questions to be answered probably between now and the end of the month, uh, Jurgen Klopp's in-tray is much more full. We're going to leave it there for part one. Manchester United successfully through to the fifth round and defending Premier League champions Liverpool are out. In part two, we're going to be talking about FA Cup holders Arsenal. They're also out after they lost 1-0 away at Southampton. We'll catch Catch you in a minute. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Weekend Review Special. With the limited Premier League action this weekend, we are focused on the FA Cup fourth round. Before the break, it was Manchester United who knocked out Liverpool. Another big name to bow out is Arsenal, the most successful club in the history of the FA Cup with 14 titles, but they won't be defending it this summer because Southampton have taken their place in the fifth round. Steve, this just seems to be a, a bit of a groundhog day for Mikel Arteta and his players because it's... One step forward and two steps back. There's been some positive form in the Premier League. They've got themselves back into the top half, in and around 10th, depending on the, the permutations over this weekend. But then he he almost seems to have itchy feet for me in terms of his selection. He, he doesn't really know how to get the balance of his team right. And the big story after the game was that he made six changes to his starting 11 after beating Newcastle 2-0 in the Premier League. And it just didn't come off for him. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess in Arteta's defence, he would turn around and say they are about to play Southampton again, aren't they, the Premier League in a few days. So he probably felt the players needed a bit of a rest. And I understand that, you know, um, I guess the FA Cup won't really be Arteta's priority. They literally won it last season. So you might feel like right now the best thing to do was rest, you know, the likes of yeah, Emil Smith-Rowe, Aubameyang and so on. Uh, I feel Aubameyang was out for a personal reason, actually. But either way, it made sense for him to rest a few players. I mean, it must be frustrating though for Arsenal fans given the fact that, you know, they're trying to find some momentum. And I've always kind of believed, it sounds once again a bit obvious, but like genuinely winning does breed winning. You know, like success is infectious. Um, and... I can't imagine going to Southampton, playing them again in a few days off the back of a defeat for them um, is a good way to get up for that game personally. You feel like you kind of want to set a bit of statement out and go at them, but um, it's it's a weird one for Arsenal. They, they feel very much like they've got a bit of an identity crisis, you know, like such such erratic displays and um, I thought they looked pretty poor, to be honest, um, in this game. Genuinely, Southampton, I thought were the better side. Um, they looked a more organised side um, and to be honest, Arsenal do just a bit 
uh, just a bit unimaginative, really. They felt quite blunt, you know, um, not really creating chances, kind of a lot of, lot of energy, but a lot of, um, not a lot of um, intuition. And given the fact that Arteta was meant to bring that, you know, to the club, and obviously, um, he's meant to bring that given his, obviously, his tutelage under Guardiola. Um, it, it does feel, it doesn't feel any different, you know, to what they've seen before. And the criticisms that they've had over the years feel very similar. You might get it right, but um, I don't think this constant up and down thing for Arsenal is particularly good. I mean, I think the, I think the victory here would have been really important for the momentum, even though you understand the changes. But um, yeah, it, it, I can understand Arsenal's fans' frustration, especially when you're seeing the performance of people like Willian, which was genuinely terrible. Like bad, like a bad performance. <laughs> um, Michelle, obviously the focus is going to be on those changes and, and the strength of t- team that he put out but when you look at the 11 there's not uh, a raft of UT and players coming in or players that don't have the experience in these types of games just looking at some of the changes from that that Newcastle win Cedric Suarez has come in for Kieran Tierney who was injured Mo, Moel Nenny played Nicolas Pepe Eddie Niketa who who has some Premier League experience this wasn't a second string side in the in you know the kind of traditional sense where it's a load of kids and they just kind of throw the cup away this was pretty close to Arsenal's strongest first 11 and they just weren't at the races. Well, yeah, but I think Arteta really is in, in the process of trying to mould that squad to what he wants it to be. You know, you mentioned El Nenny there who played in midfield and by all accounts he was pretty poor. I'm pretty sure his contract's coming up in probably this summer, I think. Um, are they going to renew that? And like you said there, Willian... I mean, I know he was great against <laughs> Fulham earlier in the season, but tell me he's been great since then. He hasn't. Oh, he's um, been bad. He's yeah. been bad. Oh, so bad. And Katia will run and run, but yeah, I didn't see much about him. Um, he might be one they, they offload in the summer. So, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a second string 11. That's a fair comment. But there's a few players in there that I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking to offload. And you hear the reports of the wages that Willian is on. He's done nothing to justify them yet, like nothing. So, yeah, not not pretty. I think Pepe uh, created a few chances, but from what I saw, what the fans were saying, we know Arsenal fans are very passionate. Um, he he wasn't at the level that, that they'd expect. And I know Pepe gets a lot of stick, but he was actually much better than Willian and, and that says it all. And we've seen some of the viral rants going on about Willian at the moment. Um, I just think Arteta's not there, you know, you can say long-term project or whatever, but he's just not there with with the starting lineup he would like just now. But there is promise in, in that Arsenal squad too and they've had some good results lately and, and funnily enough, they play Southampton again on Tuesday. So... We'll see if he switches back and brings players back in and, and what the result might be and if he has some regrets about what they did on Saturday because as current holders, you know, of course they wouldn't want to go out. So I wonder if they play again on Tuesday and if they're improved by the switches he makes, if he's going to have some regrets. Um, promise, Steve, is, is probably a key word. Michelle mentioned it there with, with Arsenal and the direction that they're moving in. And when we talk about Arsenal's best performances this season, it's young and promising players that have been at the forefront of it. Bukayo Saka, who kind of announced himself last season, has continued that into this campaign. Emile Smith-Rowe's come into the starting eleven and made a real impact, linking between midfield and attack. And it's a worrying sign for Arsenal and Arsenal fans, and, and even for Mikel Arteta, that when you take two teenagers out of the starting eleven, the level of performance performance drops so significantly 
De- definitely, especially when you got to consider the fact that you know, I, I'm not really sure Arteta can take. You can take credit for playing them, but you can't really take credit for their development massively. You know, like obviously he's, he's helped them improve and so on. But these are two young players who are naturally abundant with energy. You players will come in and run forever. Um, it, it, the harder thing is to get you know the experienced players working really hard and the experienced players to enact the tactical you know the tactical ideas that he's got. Um, so you're right. If, if you've got a bunch of uh, enthusiastic, but obviously incredibly talented young players um, propping your team up that's bad really because I guess he says an awful lot um, but especially considering the fact that obviously he's I'm not saying he's signed a lot but he's signed a few players now for example he's persisting with Willian you know um, he, I mean obviously uh, I think Pepe predates him doesn't he but one of the things where he does but like yeah but he's still giving him opportunities you know and um what is the team, you know, looking for, you know, creativity? And we've just seen, obviously, Ozil move on permanently now. And um, when you've got, basically, uh, you know, some senior players and your job is to come in and make the most out of them. And obviously, he's meant to come in as a great coach. You can get the better of these players. And it is just kids that are, you know, who will run forever. And I, w- I would not be surprised if these kids would give the same kind of performance for any coach, because obviously, they're that, that infectious and that full of ideas. Um it it doesn't look good because they're the ones they're not the ones to be the ones that you get through to if that makes sense um, it, it needs to be the experienced players it needs to be like some of your jackers and um, uh, obviously Gabriel's meant to come in and do a little bit more Bellerin's meant to be, be in better form Bellerin's not been too bad actually but he seems to be in better form and all that kind of stuff and um, yeah uh, Thomas Barty's been alright um, but once again I wouldn't say he set the world alight and um, he's not had a load of time but it He's had enough, you know, he's had enough to see signs of improvement. And, um, yeah, I think the uh, the academy lads thing is it's kind of a damning indictment, really, of uh, where they are currently. Uh, Michelle, obviously, Southampton, Ralph Harsenhood will be delighted to be in the fifth round. And one of the most impressive aspects for them, particularly in the last couple of months, is that despite the fact that they might make changes, and they did make a few changes for this one, not as many as Arteta and Arsenal, is that they can always be relied to stick on that 4-4-4 442 system and whichever personnel they might drop in and whichever players they might bring out everybody's so well drilled that they can continue to perform at that level without dropping off even if there's maybe more inexperienced players coming in or, or, or squad players coming back from injury yeah I think Southampton have, have surprised a few people this season and as a Villa fan I like to hear Villa talked about as well but I feel like these are the two teams that a few people have been like oh okay and and the FA Cup will be a competition they'll be looking at and and quite fancying because they've got Wolves next round a fellow Premier League team and they might look at this and think we've got a fair chance of, of getting to the quarterfinals and uh, like you said made a, made a few changes but they can rely on their formation they know what they're doing um, Shane Long got a, got a run out um in the Shrewsbury game and he might have thought maybe I'm in contention sort of playing for the place against Arsenal that didn't happen he sort of reverted back to Danny Ings up front but you know Shane Long's a, a Premier League striker that you can rely on to come in and put a shift on and he can come in and, and run hard just like your other striker to see out a game and Shea Adams I think has been decent this season Theo Walcott what a move for him going back to Southampton it's, it's working out so well and you've got the class of James Ward-Prowse he's got to be pushing for the Euro squad with, with his performances so like you say I think they're quite disciplined in the way they're playing they've got decent depth there and the players that come in seem to know their jobs he's got them well drilled they're a solid Premier League side now and they, they get so many clean sheets you know you look back at their results and if they're not getting clean sheets they don't really concede many so that organisation has been really key for them and they'll be eyeing up the the fifth round next month 
and they're really fancy Wolves. I would imagine you put out a really strong team against them, but they'll play Arsenal again on Tuesday and it'll be interesting to see how they they cope with the inevitable Arsenal changes. Uh, Steve, obviously we mentioned right at the start this idea of cliches and dark horses. Southampton are in a position now, as Michelle said, they'll go to Wolves in the fifth round. Wolves have been a little bit in and out. They they got through and beat Chorley in, in this round uh, yeah. on Friday night. But when Southampton look at the draw, given the fact there's also quite a few other Premier all Premier League ties, that means that the number of top flight teams is going to be trimmed down for the for the quarters and then so on and so forth. Can they be in the conversation to say they, they could go all the way if they if they get a favourable draw in the quarters, if they get past Wolves and, and the momentum still behind them? Could they be someone that we're talking about winning it? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you can, you can tell that they want to. They sent out uh, basically a first-choice team, didn't they, really? So um, they, they obviously feel like you can go far and they're obviously going to be fine in the Premier League as well. So why not? I mean, I think it's fair to say the likes of City, Liverpool, United, they'll have their... Oh, Liverpool, not anymore. We, but unfortunately, a lot of teams <laughs> will have their um, their eyes elsewhere. You know, they'll be looking um, at the... Premier United will look at the Premier League, City will be training with the Premier League and the Champions League and obviously um, Spurs will obviously uh, among the favourites as well. But Southampton, or <laughs> I don't think Aston Hall even gets the, the, the full credit that he deserves genuinely I think he's done a fantastic job and um, at a competition like this when everyone's tied and things are a little bit numb you know in terms of the world of football at the moment um, a team that is that organised and play, that plays that good football I mean they're not perfect but obviously they're a very good side and, and they'll be looking at this and going well they, they rarely go on you know long cup runs and, and why not now um, a bit of silver would be wonderful for Hampton and it's very much it's, it's a weird time for football and and it would not be um unattainable something to get very far um and if Watford can get to the final then why can't Southampton you know um I, I think they should go for this they definitely should go for this because uh they are capable of beating anyone at the moment uh they are a really good side you know they know what they're doing and um uh when when if they are focused on this and others are looking elsewhere then this is very much um a realistic aim for them to go very far and if not win it but at least go very far yeah, I think in the tradition of FA Cup cliches, they are definitely right smack bang in the middle of dark horse territory. Niall, if you're listening, yeah. I'm really sorry, but I think Southampton could possibly be in a position <laughs> to end Portsmouth's reign as the last South Coast club to win the FA Cup. Guys, we're going to call it there for part two. After the break, it's all the other Premier League sides in FA Cup action, and we're also going to be talking about Steve Bruce as Newcastle lost again 2-0 away at Aston Villa. We'll catch you in a minute. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Weekend Review Show. It's FA Cup focused this weekend as the Premier League sides go into the fourth round. Just a quick reminder on the podcast, if you're a fan of what we do here, just hit subscribe on this episode and you can get a brand new one every single day. We are your go-to source on all things Premier League. Now, FA Cup action has dominated this weekend. We've already talked about Liverpool and Manchester United, Arsenal and Southampton, but there's been plenty of other stories this weekend and we're going to take a look at Steve Manchester City a bit of a scare at Cheltenham 1-0 down heading into the final 10 minutes but as any City fan will tell you when Phil Foden's on the pitch there's hope isn't there Steve? No, oh, it was never in doubt, mate. Never in <laughs> I, doubt. I, I oh. I yeah, I can't pretend I wasn't panicking. No, to be honest <laughs> um, it felt a little bit like um, when we saw Gundogan Diaz 
Cancelo lining up. It felt like a bit that bit in the end of um, Avengers Endgame when they're all lining up to come back in. And it was like it was good to see um, uh, them come out. I felt genuinely reassured when they were coming onto the pitch. But Foden, yeah, yeah we have to draw attention to Foden. I mean, uh, on my, on, when I was making my own content about this, um, I feel that like that's one of the most important games of Foden's career so far. I know it sounds weird, you know, away at a League Two club and all that kind of stuff. But um, some games aren't about the talent. Obviously, he showed immense talent, but some games. Uh, are more memorable because of what it meant to that individual player and I think Foden really stepped up um, Foden was fantastic I mean it wasn't just the fact that he was mesmeric in his ability to glide past players was fully on show and you know he scored a goal as well he's ninth for the season now City's leading scorer it was more the fact that he was the one trying to make things happen he doesn't look like a lad who's just trying to get in the first team anymore he doesn't look like a lad who belongs in the first team he looks like a lad that knows he's a part of the first team and actually one of the better players um, and his confidence was um, it was ridiculous it was a genuinely fantastic performance and yeah this is the caveat the level obviously wasn't the highest um, but we just can't deny how fantastic he was yesterday and the fact that he carried Manchester City side there a, a, a relatively decent Man City side uh, for large parts of the game until the cavalry turned up um, yeah his shoulders must be sore today uh, a lot of weight on him and he was absolutely <laughs> brilliant um, and to be honest yeah it was nerve wracking I mean I mean um, I did feel genuinely a little bit relaxed when the senior players came on because I felt it might be a bit too much for Cheltenham in the end um but, you know, obviously, uh, it was a bit of a scare. Uh, good for the neutrals, I guess. Um, for myself, not too great. But, um, yeah, Foden, magnificent. Um, and likewise, Cancelo, Diaz, Gundogan, when they came on. It was, a, it was I would say, it wasn't, it's probably not fair to say a masterstroke, but the choice of play was just pretty much spot on from Guardiola to steady the ship in loads of positions. Um, Michelle, when you look at the performance from Foden, obviously, we know about his ability. We know how good he is on the ball, the way he can create chances, he can score goals that we're particularly seeing this season. But as Steve mentioned, this mental idea the, the mentality idea of being away from home yes there's there's no crowd at, at Cheltenham but it is a difficult play to go place to go to they know it's going to be difficult they're 1-0 down going into the final 10 minutes this idea of the mentality of a first team player and, and a starting 11 player he is starting to develop now because in the past it would have been natural for him to look around for De Bruyne or Jesus or Aguero or, or whoever to say to them oh aren't you the one to go and win us the game? He now knows that that's fallen on his shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. And and he's really stepped up, like like you say. And, you know, we always wondered, oh, would he go out on loan somewhere? Would he go and have some sort of football league experience, I suppose, to to get him up to speed with the men's game? Because you see some players playing the unders and they don't really, I suppose, make that transition. But for Phil Foden, it's just seemed seamless. And I know he's been waiting for his chance. He's been waiting to be the step in for for David Silva and as Stinos as a Man City fan I'm pretty sure that's the way it was sort of sold um and yeah okay it was against Cheltenham but he just leads doesn't he and you can see him being perhaps a future captain uh, definitely an England regular I just I just love the way he plays if that makes sense like he's he's small he's nimble he's he's nifty and he just looks so elegant with the ball if that makes sense um so I'd- as a neutral I really enjoy watching him I don't think people realise just how good he can be. Genuinely, I think he's. Um, I think his ability is. Um, is I, think, I honestly believe, and this is from I've been watching him since he was about fifteen, through the eighteens. I feel like he could be Manchester City's best ever player, and this is coming from. Uh, you know, I've spent. Wow, that's a hell a of a show. Part, you know, I genuinely believe it. I think we could look him 10, 15 <coughs> years from now. Him breaking the record appearances. Uh, even he's gonna he's gonna be a twenty goal a season player. Um, he is already probably at that level. He's already got nine goals this season. He'll probably get another seven, eight, nine. You know, uh, happy, he'll be plus fifteen goals this season. Um, now imagine when he's playing 40, 50 games a season. You know, as opposed to 
to 30-odd. Um, he's going to score... Well, probably over probably over 150, 200 goals from Manchester City, if not more. Who knows how many goals he'll score of his career? Um, I absolutely think he's mesmerically brilliant. I genuinely think he is, and um, he's only just getting going. And he's already one of Manchester City's best players. Genuinely, is this season, um, and he's only just really properly broken to the first team. Um, I think he's special. I think he can do things that most people would dream of. Um, the way he glides past people, uh, the, the, he, he can pass it with either foot. He can play perfectly weighted through balls, and that nickname, the stock button, yester. Um, I genuinely think it's apt. The way he glides past people is brilliant. And he's learning. He's learned from David Silva. He's learning from Kevin De Bruyne. He's learning from Milkai Gundogan and Fernandinho. And uh, he spent a bit of time learning how to play as Leroy Sane on the left. He's, he's some, somehow managed to pick that up. Uh, he's such a natural footballer. And I think he's going to be at the heart of Manchester City and England. Uh, in, inciting success for both for an awful long time. He's a special player. Uh, Michelle, obviously it was a bit of an issue for City to get through. They had to get a bit of magic in the last 10 minutes. A bit more straightforward for the majority of the other Premier League sides on Saturday. Brighton 2-1 win over Blackpool. Blackpool put West Bram out in penalties in the last round. This was probably a little bit too much for them. East Basuma arguably with the, one of the goals of the round to, to help Brighton through. And Sheffield United, who we know are at rock bottom in the Premier League and really, really struggling for confidence, they got through 2-1 win over Plymouth. And this is such a strange situation for Sheffield United to be in because of the difficult situation they're in in the Premier League they probably know they're going to be relegated and to put up this kind of fight and still be as as interested and, and determined to do well in the FA Cup is a massive credit to Chris Wilder and the players well it is but they were playing Plymouth Argyle with due respect to Plymouth Argyle my husband's a Plymouth Argyle fan and they're um, a league one side so you know yeah they, they, they played well but Plymouth Argyle gave them a massive scare I watched that game and Sheffield United were nothing particularly special you know when Kamara got the goal for Argyle in the 75th minute it, it was game on and um, it was only some sloppy defending from Argyle that resulted in one of the goals too so yeah it was nice to see them make a fist of it and I'm sure um, a win will do their confidence good but they're not in the FA Cup this season and I don't think they're staying in the Premier League either sorry Sheffield United fans um, but you know Chris Ward has got so much time yeah. there because of what he's done yeah I think the writing is on the wall for them in terms of, of terms of the Premier League um, Steve West Ham 4-0 win over Doncaster yet yeah, again similarly to a situation with Sheffield United it's, it's lower league opposition but with West Ham we constantly don't really know what we're going to get and in reality yes it is Doncaster but they absolutely blew them away four goals and, and a debut goal for Afil, um, Afolan sorry, uh, who was brilliant in his post-match interview where he spoke about going out on loan and getting experience and his dream of getting into the West Ham first team he played for the under-21s the night before. Um, that's one of the advantages of, of age. I think if I had to play two matches in a row now, my, <laughs> my legs would just fall clean off from under me. Um, this is an interesting situation for West Ham because similarly to Southampton, if, if they get a favourable run, they can go a bit further. But when we talk about West Ham, we always seem to have the brakes on. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think it's because I guess we've been, and West Ham, West Ham fans will probably feel the same way. We're used to... West Ham kind of messing up, but they're in good form, you know. Um, they're in very good form in the Premier League up in seventh. Um, this, once again, yeah, it's sometimes the fair comparison here. Likewise, um, a couple of other teams. Like, um, like I reckon uh, they'll fancy their chances a little bit. Obviously, they'll, they'll hope to try and avoid maybe um, some of the traditionally bigger sides uh, in rounds, but um, they, they, they're they a team that's pretty well organised and pretty confident these days. They've got, they've got players who... Um, they've got players who are fine in the back of the net as well. They've got a bit of magic in Ben Rama and things like that. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a functional performance, a, 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 a you know a, a routine win really, I would say for them. But you know, and obviously Doncaster only a League One side, but you, you have to beat what's in front of you. And they they, they totally 
totally that's, dominate that's the, the game. king of the cliches right there it, it is though is it, it really literally <laughs> is I mean um, Man City made hard work of it and to be fair and elite, you know then City got a better side than West Ham and they were playing a lesser side than than um, Doncaster so uh, West, West Ham had a good day I would say you know it was, it was a good day all you can do is turn up um, and get your voice you know get your get into the next round and they've done that so fair play uh, Michelle going back to some of the wobbles uh, Wolves 1-0 winners away at Chorley this was obviously big duppers um, a bit of a David and Goliath because Chorley were the lowest ranked team still left in the competition Wolves only had one shot on target and that was Vettina's goal that he just smashed into the top corner this was a little bit nervous for them and, and Santo was quite cagey in his, in his post-match press conference and I think if it had gone another way, if, if chances had bounced in a different direction, this could really have been one of the biggest shocks we've ever seen. Oh, sorry, Wolves fans, but yeah, it would have been it would have been wonderful. Um, Wolves aren't having the season that many thought they would have um, at the moment, and that's the magic of the FA Cup that we talked about at the start, isn't it? Anything can happen, and and surely, even though they had hardly any of the ball, they did have a few shots, and they had a few shots on target, and it's those moments and those those negligible things that happen in games that that win football matches and, and change the tale of, of what happens. But, yeah, not really impressed by Wolves this season at the moment. Looked a little bit low on confidence after the West Brom defeat. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think they're just going to be a mid-table side. And, again, they didn't put out a terrible team by any means compared with respect to Chorley. You know, you're playing some absolutely classy players there, um, even though, obviously, Nuno made changes. So... I think Wolves will will be relieved to be in the fifth round for sure. And they've got a horrible, well, actually, maybe not a horrible tie based on Chelsea's recent form, but an interesting tie against Chelsea midweek. Uh, Leicester's obviously another one in a similar situation to Manchester City where they had a bit of a first half wobble and, and they found it tough going but Michelle Brendan Rodgers must have got into his players at half time because they got it back they were 2-1 up within five minutes of the restart and then they had enough to go on and, and pick up uh, a place in the fifth round Brentford have been good this season flying high in the championship probably going to be in the shake up for a playoff spot but Leicester was showing this bit of steel that will probably keep them in the hunt for the Champions League in that when they bring in players to replace the likes of Vardy and, and Madison played but you know he was given help from other players Kenga's under got himself a goal this will be pleasing for Leicester players because they know that if they're 11 to, to 15 or they're 11 to, to 20 um, squad players can come in and pull off a performance then that's what they need Yeah I think there'll be some names in that team sheet like you say that we haven't seen so much this season uh, Danny Ward wasn't particularly brilliant with the goal that Brentford scored but apart from that you can look across that team and, and feel quite confident Brentford yeah don't underestimate them they could be playing Premier League football for the first time next season really great team when I've seen in the championship but uh, there's so many great great names in, in that Leicester team at the moment Madison obviously who's just bit of joy with that post-match interview the um, the other day and he's, he's found the best form arguably of his Leicester career right now Harvey Barnes you know for me he's got to be knocking on the door of the England squad and Iosi Perez um, was was doing the business as well so yeah they look strong across the field they look like they've got squad depth and they look like they're going to have a really good season again maybe maybe one of them in contention for, for the FA Cup this year uh, the other two games Chelsea 3-1 Luton uh, sorry Chelsea 3-1 over Luton and Burnley winning 3-0 away at Fulham Steve Chelsea fairly straightforward hat-trick for Tammy Abraham but for me the focus again is, is back on Timo Werner nothing is going right for him we, we've talked about yeah. players in the first couple of parts the likes of Thiago and some of the Liverpool players where things are not bouncing for them at the minute Timo Werner must have cracked a mirror walked under a ladder I, I don't know what he's done to have this this terrible run of luck and he, and he had the perfect chance to just get them on 
monkey off his back and score and, and he missed the penalty for for Chelsea Lampard said in his post-match press conference that obviously he's, he's got his manager's support and he's an excellent player but you can see that frustration just seeping into him yeah, he's got a case of um, uh, Fernando Torres-itis, hasn't he, at the moment? He looks like he's, he really reminds me of that a little bit. He looks like a, um, a striker. Um, he he doesn't look like the most overtly confident player, any of what I can tell. He does seem a little bit... Um, once again, we've talked earlier in the podcast about followers and leaders, and he definitely seems like a follower to me. And um, yeah, sometimes, like you know, form and momentum can momentum can work both ways. You know, it can be it can be really positive and help you win and all that kind of stuff. You can get stuck in a rut, and a, a usually very good player can get too introverted. And um, it's almost like as well, it, it's a weird time to come to a new country, isn't it? Obviously, and um, he's not. It's. He started off pretty well, I reckon. Um, but then I can only imagine everything feels quite amplified given Chelsea's current form. And um, it, it, nothing seems to go well for him. Absolutely nothing. It was a really poor penalty as well. Really poor penalty that he missed. Um, and I, I don't know what the solution is. I mean, his guess is an element of just playing his way out of it because he's clearly a good player. And last season, he was banging him in from all angles. Um, but so far, it, it's looking pretty bad I mean it's on him to try and turn it around hopefully will Lampard to help him but um, yeah I mean Abraham must be thinking well you know I'm almost certain to be starting at the moment given you know Werner's struggles and stuff like that um, he's too good to carry on that way surely but um, we've seen yeah once again we've seen people like Ferran Torres uh, not Ferran Torres so Fernando Torres um, coming for big money and struggle and maybe this could be another case could be a little bit too early to say that but he's struggling at the moment uh, Michelle as for Burnley this is a bit of an odd one Sean Dyche is fairly straight about his views on the FA Cup and the League Cup and where Burnley's focuses are and they've accidentally found themselves into the fifth round with a really good performance <laughs> away at Fulham uh, he put out a team that you'd probably go Fulham should have had the edge but they just couldn't really lay a glove on them and given the fact that they are now through obviously they don't have to worry about um, any other complications with playing in Europe or anything like that despite the fact that Daesh puts on this dour persona when it comes to the cup will he actually be relatively happy about this because the Burnley fans need a break from just plodding along and, and, and getting a mid-table Premier League finish yeah I'm not sure unless something sort of wild happens I can see them going too far in the FA Cup but it's nice to get a result like that they'd probably expect to beat Fulham I mean they're seven points ahead of them in the, in the Premier League and they've played the same same game so yeah, I wouldn't imagine Dyke should be getting too overexcited though. But then when you get to the fifth round, you will put out a strong team because you're only a game away or two games away from Wembley, aren't you? So for the semi final. Um, but yeah, I'm nice to see Jay Rodriguez score a couple of goals. Um, and yeah, he made quite a few changes. I think Josh Brownhill's been excellent for Burnley this season. He had a rest. But yeah, it's just more doom and gloom for Fulham, isn't it? And uh, speaking of doom and gloom, there was one Premier League game this weekend. Uh, I apologise to Niall already. I'm going to apologise in advance to Marley now. Newcastle, eight games in all competitions and no wins. Michelle, Aston Villa, your side, beat them 2-0. And it was pretty dominant as a performance as you're likely to see against a Newcastle side. We talked about Liverpool lacking confidence. Newcastle are the absolute poster boys for that at the moment they just they just seem absolutely devoid of confidence the body language is really bad but despite that negativity Aston Villa were also quite impressive yeah Aston Villa were brilliant last night always looked to control never really looked troubled you know I don't think Callum Wilson and Andy Carroll really had much of a sniff up top Ollie Watkins getting a goal is massive for him massive for his confidence he's missed out on a few thanks to some dodgy VAR decisions but Villa are 
I feel like I like the opposite of Newcastle at the moment. And I know it's been said a lot. Newcastle are just going nowhere. And Villa are in the ascendancy. And I'm sorry to say, but that's where Villa were under Steve Bruce. And now he's the Newcastle manager. So, yeah, Newcastle fans be be tearing their hair, hairs out. Um, Jack Grealish, even though he, he didn't score, he got the assist for Triori's goal. Triori looks a real player. Really coming into his own in that Villa side. And... Um, yeah, for for Newcastle, I look across their team, I just find it massively uninspiring. John Joe Shelby doesn't inspire me. Almiron, I don't really know what he does. Andy Carroll, <laughs> oh, with respect, what use is he at the moment? Yeah. Callum Wilson, you know, can get a goal. But they're two teams going in two very opposite directions at this moment in time. With um, Villa, obviously you touched on Bertrand Traore and, and he got himself a goal and he's in brilliant form. Ollie Watkins has had a bit of a, a dry run and he nodded in a really brave header to, to get things going for Villa. And when, from a neutral perspective, you look at Villa and Villa are playing well, we we inevitably kind of press the Jack Grealish button and say he has to be doing it for Villa to play well. But with these types of performances, particularly from attacking players, taking a little bit of the weight off his shoulders, that shows that Villa do have another gear in terms of where they can finish up this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look back in December, no one, I mean, Jack Grealish was superb, but people were talking about Anwar Aghazi getting the goals and, and other players. So even though Jack Grealish is absolutely pivotal to Aston Villa, there's some real class on that side. Um, Douglas Louise in midfield is having his best season in a Villa shirt. We were missing John McGinn last night and even Akamba put in a shift. Ross Barkley's coming back to fitness and if he gets back to fitness and up to speed soon, be very happy with that. But let's not forget the back four who have been absolutely superb for Villa and that that combination of Konza and, and Mings makes you feel so secure and um, Martinez in goal, what a signing he's been. I think he's got something like eight or nine clean sheets now in 17 Villa games. So Villa fans are really, really happy and really happy with the way the season's heading. Uh, Steve, just touching on Steve Bruce quickly, your namesake. Um, Michelle's mentioned there that there's a bit of a common denominator when you look at how his Villa side performed and, and the type of mood around the club when he was in charge. And that seems to have just been picked up, taken up the motorway and plonked on St. James's Park. The writing does definitely seem to be on the wall for him. And, and the players, particularly in the second half, just they didn't really seem interested. He kind of trotted out some of the old lines of the issues that they've had around the club in his post-match press conference. But things do seem to be heading in, in one direction for Steve Bruce. And that's probably him leaving the club. Yeah, the, I mean, the thing is, I think, to be honest, I mean, when everyone kind of knows, really, I think the only reason he hasn't gone is because Mike Ashley can't be asked spending any money. Um, we obviously know Mike Ashley's <laughs> trying to sell the club. Um, and I think that's it. I think he would be sacked by now, if, if honestly. If um, But Ashley wants to sell the club, he wants to wipe his hands of it and let it be someone else's problem. And it must be a really weird thing, even as Bruce and even as the fans know it, Ashley knows it, the players know it. They all know that they're just drifting. You know, everything about Newcastle at the moment is one word for it. It's boring, you know. Everything about Newcastle is inspiring at the moment. And I think the fans feel the same way. Way and uh, the form is terrible. Um, they are just flowing about doing nothing, and they're they're, afraid, they're they're staring down relegation potentially again. And and I think Mike Ashley will won't really pull the trigger until literally he's got no choice because that, I think that point it'll affect his money in his pocket. You know, in terms of if Newcastle go down, he won't be able to sell the club. And um, so it's weird. They're in a state of limbo where no one wants to pull the trigger because no one wants. To 
spend the money um, and as a result you're getting players <laughs> are apathetic you've got a manager apathetic you've got fans that are apathetic and you've got a chairman who doesn't give two dams either way so they're they're in a weird horrible limbo and um, I can't I honestly can't see any way that he gets better it just seems far too um, toxic um, and they either survive and get lucky or, or they don't really but um, and I, I don't see him sacking him unless literally they are looking likely to be relegated because I think at that point you'll be left with no choice but he'll leave it actually he'll leave it as long as he can almost certain yeah, I think when you look at the situation, whichever way you slice it, it does look pretty bleak for Steve Bruce and Newcastle. Guys, we're going to call it there for the Football Social Daily Weekend Review Show. It's been an FA Cup special, nice little break from Premier League action. I've had a brilliant show. Thanks so much for joining me, Michelle and Steve. Thank you, much. Pleasure, thank you. Great stuff. And the guys will be back tomorrow. We're here every single day with your daily podcast. They're going to be looking back at Everton's FA Cup clash with Sheffield United. And they're also going to be previewing Jose Mourinho taking his Tottenham side to Wickham. So don't forget to give that a listen. And we'll speak to you again very, very soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus